0: Thank <laughs> in the middle of a i think i'd call it a winery um, it's in the middle of london near west brompton tube station and i'm with talia Robeson. have i got that right roberson roberson i haven't got it right um, and your family has got an amazing history um, uh, in in the sort of wine uh, sector you know in in the wine industry Would you like to just explain how on earth you managed to get into wine uh, through your father, who I'm hoping we're going to interview later, Um, and, and how you started off the business in the first place before we go on to talking about our lovely winery here in the middle of London? Sure. I um, spent many years
1: working at the BBC, actually. That was my first career. And...
0: You should be brilliant at this, then. <laughs> I know. have got no
1: excuses, so I shouldn't have said that. Um, and so my early experience of wine was around the dinner table. My dad's a real Bordeaux man, so it was drinking some serious wine um, and uh, having some serious good times. So I always entered into wine and think about wine as very much a social... Um, exercise and it's about fun and family and friends and i would never really engaged with it on a commercial level until a couple of years ago when sadly my mum died and she was a director of the company and I said I'd take over and help with some of the paperwork real administration stuff suddenly got involved and thought god this is fantastic there's so much potential here so much more we could be doing and so I moved away from the career I had at that time which was in education and got involved in full-time with a family
0: business and that was two and a half years ago So don't you think that's um, quite a good beginning where you actually develop a love of it? It's actually part of your life. It's part of your family glue, so to speak. Um, And in a way, get a little bit of a distance from it. And then as a family member, come into it afterwards. Do you think that's given you an advantage in, in some ways? I think loving
1: wine is great. But a lot of people in the wine business love wine and I'm not a wine geek by any stretch so mine is purely on the pleasure level rather than on the deep knowledge level there's plenty of people in our business who've got the deep knowledge so that's a good combination I think the real advantage for me in terms of the family business was being away from the family and the family business and learning my own skills so for example within the BBC you learn how to tell stories I worked in news so you it's all about telling stories and about communicating stories and as you will know with wine and particularly the wine that we make and sell it's very much about small producers big stories so there was a really good overlap there um, and then for the last seven years working in education which was very much about communicating very much about educating uh, connecting with people and also then getting actually more towards the kind of commercial side of what you do so that you understand that when you make this bottle of wine there has to
0: be a commercial purpose behind it otherwise it's just not sustainable you you know, crucify yourself as a family business um on the um food talk show we, we get loads and loads of producers and, and it's becoming very very clear you've got to have a story that because um, customers are looking for that and you don't get that when you're in a supermarket and they, they like the stories um and it's got to have a bit of character to it but as you said that's not enough you've got to know how to tell that story
1: you have to know how to tell the story and you have to tell the same story lots of different ways across lots of different platform, sometimes with text, sometimes with images, sometimes with video. That's something that we are exploring now and not the full length feature five minute video. We're talking five seconds almost now. That's what you're looking at with things like boomerang. I have three teenage daughters and- uh, You must be well up on it then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know now everything is very, very, very short. So attention span is short, but then also complementing that with very long form information and articles so that you've got that kind of mixture. Uh, what we found is that middle ground, that middle article doesn't really cut through. It's either images or very short or long
0: form in deep dive into yeah so so you you sort of um i guess a little bit by accident come come into the family business um have have i got it right that actually in the first instance you were importing wine Is is that how the business started many years ago
1: Yes importing one my dad who hopefully you'll meet shortly um he started business 60 years ago working in a wine shop in Worthing and so he almost started by accident because it was a Saturday job and then he went to New York and worked in a very famous wine shop in New York and then his career developed from there and he has done most parts of the wine trade everything from retail to supermarket retail to fine wine trading and now making his own wine
0: down here so we still import upstairs and we make our own wine downstairs so upstairs you've you've got a traditional sort of wine warehouse where people can come they can talk to experts presumably um they you know and you've got a a sort of range of wine up there that 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 people can um, um take home
1: yeah, the, well, the, well, the, sort of slightly differently. Down here is where people engage with us. So this is our winery. So you can come here, you can taste the wine we make in the winery, but you can also taste some of the other wine that we import. It's where we would do tastings, education. Um, we do winemaker for the day so people can learn how to actually blend their own wine. I can see where your
0: education backgrounds <laughs> coming in now.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we even do WSET level one, two and three as well now, because again, that kind of education, understanding, particularly something like wine where there's so much to learn mm. and there's so much potential to go deeper and deeper into it um so there's lots of ways to engage with the consumer mm. uh, down here then on the first floor it's very much a kind of more traditional office where we have where we run our website and where we run our sort of sales to
0: restaurants from upstairs yeah. So if I can describe where we are downstairs, so you've got a beautiful boardroom table of lovely wood um, and you've got uh, slightly 60s actually, a bit of uh, decoration going on, some lovely, lovely soft furnishings and then just over here we've got some barrels, they look like they're very new barrels, um, so so proper old fashioned barrels, um, um, what's in there or is it just for show? Bit of a prop yeah 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 no 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 no
1: um we have had chardonnay in there english chardonnay so it's our first vintage of english chardonnay that has just gone into steel tank for a little bit um and we have also had uh syrah syrah is in there at the moment and that will be going for bottling next week so we will be and then so obviously they'll be empty while it's bottled until we get the next harvest in um in sort of august september depending or october depending on the season that we have
0: so in, in winemaking terms, um, you, you will um, source grapes from all over the place and you'll, you'll, you'll work on maybe blends and, and, and sort of a or, or single grape or whatever it might be. Does it always go into a wooden barrel like that first?
1: No it totally depends we may go into the stainless steel tanks we may go into the wooden barrel we may go into the concrete tanks it really depends on the wine that we're making it depends whether we want it to be oak aged as well or whether we want it to have a lighter fresher style a crisper style Um, going forward we will be focusing on English wine and English wine is very delicate and light so we won't be doing so much long oak aging with that wine because we want to get the balance right.
0: So if you get, um, um, I know a lot of people don't like oak uh, uh, too strong. I actually do, because I must be old-fashioned, or got rubbish taste or something. Um, but a lot of people say, oh, they used to just chuck a, you know, a piece of oak in a, in a, in a vat in Australia to, to, to get that. But actually, oak can be incredibly subtle, and, and it can have different sorts of oaks that impart its taste. And I presume the winemaker's sort of art is to just get that sort of thing right. Totally. And you can have a massive spectrum from
1: wine that's been in an oak barrel that you would Probably the, the the average palate would not even be able to distinguish right to the other end, which you're talking about, maybe, which is that heavy oaky style, which was very fashionable probably 10 15 years ago. Yeah. Thanks for that. Sorry, well, <laughs> we're sort of the same age probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the trouble was, it that didn't do Chardonnay a great favour because a lot of people now we would speak to them and say, oh, I don't like Chardonnay, but they're just thinking of
0: that specific style of winemaking making Chardonnay. See, I get a bit cross when people say that because that means they don't like Chablis. That means they don't like. Uh, French champagne that means they don't like burgundy um it's just that type of chardonnay they don't like exactly
1: so but that's part of the thing that we do here with the wine education and people can come and they can taste um three different types of chardonnay grape and kind of explore the whole range of styles because it's
0: one of the most versatile grapes out there yeah, definitely so i'm going to walk through with you here and then we've got all of these wine uh, what did you call them wine uh, the the uh, tanks here, yeah, we've got tanks.
1: the tanks here, so you've got the steel tanks. So at the moment, we've got how many? We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven steel tanks and three concrete tanks. Um, so the steel tanks, traditionally, a lot of the red wine, uh, when we were importing grapes from France, would go straight into the steel tanks. As we go more towards English wine, our red wine production will decrease. Um, because um, we'll be experimenting with some varieties of red wine, but it will take us a little while to get to the big
0: volumes that we had before. So, I'm going to come on to English wine in a minute. Um, but looking at these huge, big stainless steel, they look they look slightly um, like space-like, don't they? It's a sort of like from from outer space. Um, so, so how how many bottles of wine would you get out of, of one of these huge tanks? And is it that you just literally chuck grapes in there? I'm being really ridiculous here. Um, or how <laughs> how do you get the stuff in there? And how do you how, you know how do you know what that balance is? Does, does the the winemaker literally experiment almost like a I don't know, like a chemistry set and go, yeah, this is definitely, this is definitely the balance this is definitely. And then these go into the tanks. How, how does it work for you? uninitiated
1: like me? Well, you're now getting into proper wine geek and yeah. wine making territory, and uh, I've got a fella upstairs who would be perfect at answering those questions. If you want to go into the detail of them, but we do have a lab, yeah. um, so when you ask, "Is it like a chemistry set?" Yeah. Yes, there is a there is a certain amount of science into making the the wine and getting the right balance, and there is a certain amount of art. Many uh, winemakers are. Artists and scientists really that's the perfect combination and again it depends on the wine depends whether it's white or red whether it's pressed beforehand whether it's pressed when it goes into the tank Um, and I'm looking at these Uh, to give you an indication and I can't remember off the top of my head I've got to be honest how many bottles of wine but in looking if you look at a barrel behind us which is a normal barrel that most people would recognize you're looking at about 350 bottles just in a barrel. So it's
0: quite wow! Significant volumes. Yeah, so in these these there's going to be well almost ten times that. Mm.
1: Yeah, no, you've got you can do mm. some serious volumes. In this winery here, we've got capacity to make about forty-five thousand bottles. Wow.
0: Wow, wow, wow. I'm hoping, yeah, wow, that's good. So let's talk about English wine for a minute. Um, uh, everybody knows that English wine is becoming really, really respected um, for the spark- its sparkling uh, wine, not allowed to call it champagne, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and sparkling wine, and that is because the soil particularly uh, south-east of England, is, is just right. A little bit chalky, I think. Um, but also our weather um, really, really helps. And uh, I'm I I'm living in Kent at the moment, and it's really interesting to see French vineyards coming over to Kent, buying up land, beca- because I guess the weather's changing. Um, so we're very famous for white, what about the still white before we go on to red? Do, do you see that um, becoming you know more fashionable and more something we could buy mainstream? Or is it still the price point a bit too difficult, a bit too high?
1: It's interesting... Um, you've always got the price point and you can always buy, you can buy sparkling wine cheaper from other countries as well so the price point whether you're looking at sparkling or, or still is always going to be a question mark of course it comes down to volumes, the more you make the cheaper you can make it um, the more land is planted to vineyards the more experienced people become at making, making wine from the grapes growing the grapes and making it the cheaper um, the wine will become we in regards to still white we are massive believers in Bacchus and the potential of Bacchus is an English varietal. It's uh, very light, it's very fresh it tastes like elderflowers and nettles so it's got that. Seems quite British doesn't it? Very, very British. So we used to have a New Zealand winemaker here who'd made wine all over the world and he said no great variety reflects its countryside as well as Bacchus so you can see it's got a lot of potential in that and it's a very easy drinking, under demanding wine in the sense that um, it's easy for lots of people to access um, as a taste Um, so we are completely committed to it last year the harvest was not great so there's always that vulnerability um, and the
0: price is rocketed so you're always treading that balance but, but given your background in in sort of education, you know, and telling stories, and mm-hmm. Bacchus is not some is not a grape that that everybody will know about, and 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 probably because it, it had a German origin and it sounds slightly German, not realise it, that it's something very very you know British that, that that we want to do. Part of your job here, I suppose, is not only promoting what you do here, but actually championing you know, British wine and uh, and new grapes and, and things like that to try and educate the public. Because I think the public are quite loyal if, you know, the taste is right
1: totally agree and that's something that's the re- one of the big reasons why we moved away from bringing grapes in from the rest of Europe to make them in London the idea about that was just to explain the wine making process we experimented with a bit of english uh, wine a bit of english grapes the results were amazing we won lots of awards for that wine and the public response was amazing it was by far our best selling wine Um, for both the vintages it just sold out much more quickly than the others people got the story they got the idea so heartening isn't it it is it's great and people want you know people go into it wanting to like it and they were not disappointed so that was great so totally agree about building brand Bacchus whether it's ours or any other wineries
0: be they in London or out of London we really want to get behind that and and is it is it fair to say then that, that that the other sort of winemakers in in the UK um would be keen to actually get together because they've realised that maybe they're not in competition against each other, they're in competition from um, you know other wineries and and grapes from around the world do you see people being a bit more grown up about that and working in partnership as, as, as English producers? Totally
1: you've got an MW now who specializes in English wine so that again goes to show that there is a currency and a credibility to English wine and people are realizing that you need to come together so you've got the economies of scale so that you can afford to put on a show or you can afford to go and travel to meet people to export your wine so people are starting to understand that and we we know that by working together, we're much more likely to get a result. And also, as you said, if people start to understand Bacchus, then they're much more likely to pick your wine off the shelf or your competitors' wine, but they're likely to pick it off the shelf. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's, um, that's us and, and the future of sort of white. Now, I know that you want to invest next year in in really looking at english red i have to tell you from a personal perspective i have not really tasted an english red that i've been really really impressed by Um, and i do think it's slightly too expensive but it's got to be when you're entering something new in the market because the economies of scale aren't you know aren't there what what are you going to invest in and what do you think is is the sort of best way forward to get us brits to drink british red well, without giving too much
1: away... Oh, go on, please. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, for us, it's early Pinot. Early Pinot is the where, where we would be going, where we think there is potential in the market. Um, it would be a very light, fresh red. We're not going to be trying to replicate um, a sort of a red wine that people might associate with a warm climate. So you've got to look at a much more cool climate, red wine. So it's going to be a much lighter
0: style. So if you get a traditional sort of big, heavy, you know, Shiraz or Syrah or, or, or Cabernet Sauvignon or something, you're expecting that sort of, you know, that viscosity and, and, and that strength. But, but Pinot Noir is, is, is much lighter, isn't it? And actually, it's a great summer drink, a great wine drink. It's n- not quite as al- alcoholic generally. And it's, sl- it's slightly, it's not as deep, deep black-red, is it? And what we've got to get people to realise is that's actually a really nice option in, in the sort of red wine uh, uh, area
1: yeah I mean sales of Pinot Noir have grown massively. You look at the massive rise of interest in um, in Burgundy and how that has really you know the Pinot sort of story behind that is really driving that. I think Pinot Noir reflects much more a kind of modern younger taste. The lower alcohol makes a big difference. I mean, that 1% or 2%, people do seem to really respond to that.
0: Because let's face it, 14.5% for for wine is is, is actually ridiculous, and it has creeped up year after year. And I do think people are rebelling against it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think people, you know, I think there are different wines for different, different occasions, and something like Pinot Noir, as well as being light, is really good with food. So it's a very good balancing wine, and look, it's going to take a little while to get to the levels, um, <laughs> to get to the levels of countries that have been producing great pinot noir for years. But you look at places like Germany; they've got some fantastic pinot noir, and it's another cool climate country. So there's not, there's no reason why, with sort of experimenting and practice and commitment,
0: we can't start to make some kind of interesting red wines from this country it's making me um, it's making me very very sort of optimistic about the, the sort of state of British wine oh, it's, it's great
1: thirsty
0: <laughs> it's making me thirsty as well but I won't say that everybody knows how much I love my wine um, so uh, if we could just move on now about here if somebody wants to come here and and learn more about wine or, or they want to do some sort of wine um, can you just give us a little bit of details about how we could do that here right in the middle of London Yeah, so very much part of the
1: ethos of opening this winery in the heart of London was so that people could come in and engage and interact with the process. So the first thing to say is when you come to the winery, you sit right in the middle of the winery and do your activities. Which is where we are now, which is great. Yeah, so you're not put in a little side room. You are absolutely surrounded by the wine. So if you do your WSET level one, two and three, you do it in amongst the tanks and the barrels And our trainer is fantastic. He's uh, training to be an MW and he can talk all about the winemaking process by pointing and interacting with the things around you. So it's brilliant. Um, And then there are other kind of ways to engage in it in a much less formal way. So you can be a winemaker for the day. So you can learn how to blend wine. Oh, I so
0: want to do that, really.
1: You're very welcome to come back and have a go, for sure. So, And they're quite small groups and you take away your little blend and you kind of understand the sort of type of wine you like by having that experience
0: it's got to be brilliant because if you if you are blending your own wine and and you're being taught you know what smells make what taste and all that sort of stuff that's really got to that's really got to improve your 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 wine tasting without somebody hell telling you how to taste wine if that makes sense
1: Totally, because it's a very interactive process. So it's not a classroom environment. So it's perfect for people who like to be really hands on, but you don't come out with a certificate at the end. Mm-hmm. So somebody who maybe wants that formal education can go down the WSET route. We also then do um, tutored tastings um, in the uh, winery, in the tasting room that you've just been in, where we have winemakers who'll come over and they will go talk through a very small group, a small group of people, maybe 10 or 12 people about the wine the winemaking process they'll taste back vintages with them so that's for people who are really fans big fans of certain producers or certain styles of wine so lots of different ways to kind of get
0: engaged that's fabulous so if anybody's interested in that i'm interested in the uh, coming around blend doing your own blend uh, where, where do people go to find out more the best place to go is our website so robesonwine.com Robersonwine.com and as you know as usual it'll be on the full foodtalk.co.uk website and uh, we'll we'll obviously put links uh, through to here and if somebody wants to explore your lovely wines and perhaps uh, buy some wines they can do that online Yeah, all online.
1: Uh, We've got a fantastic website. Um, We won Decanter website uh, of the year, the year before last. Uh, We came runner-up last year against some really heavyweight competition, including people like Virgin and so on. So, There you go. Show off about that. Uh, We can show off about that because there's only three people that run that site upstairs. And it is a good story. It's a real David and Goliath story that as a small business, you can actually retail online because it can sometimes feel a bit overwhelming and that you're sort of you know being um you're competing with massive organizations you've got massive buying power so it was it was great really great for
0: us but also don't you feel that there's sometimes there's too much choice I mean you know if you have got a wine merchant like you and and you know you get used to going on there you know the stuff's going to be good you know that you've personally chosen it um, and actually not having quite so much choice sometimes well for me it feels a bit better sometimes <laughs>
1: There is so much choice of wine. If you look at it compared to any other product, even if you go into a supermarket, you look on the shelves how much wine there is compared to how much cheese even, which has a fair amount of choice. It can be overwhelming. And the good thing about a small business and particularly a company like ours is you can. if you look on the la- online and you want to ask a few questions, you can call up and you're going to speak to the person who runs that site, who's got a diploma in wine, who really can talk you through it about what the wine tastes like or what it'd be great to eat with or you know how you can get a something similar but a bit cheaper or a little bit more expensive
0: perfect so we're great fans of Roberson wine and we've only just come here today we might not leave actually <laughs> it's really good Lucy our is enviously looking at all the bottles that are stacked up there um, and, and a very exciting thing And we really wish you luck for the future in actually starting to produce your own English wine so everybody wishes you luck uh, with that thank you so much for joining me thank you So, I have the great pleasure, after speaking to Talia, to um, have Cliff in front of me, Cliff Robeson. Now, Cliff, you actually started this business, and I believe, uh, Talia told me, that you started off in the wine trade by having a Saturday job in a wine shop in Worthing. Is that correct?
2: Uh, Almost correct. Um, It was a job, but it was a a proper job. It wasn't just for Saturdays. It was a a trainee's trainee, if that makes any sense, (laughs)
0: So, so that must have been quite unusual in those days to actually train uh, to learn about wine because it's all fashionable now. But, but the, you know, uh, when I was a child like in the nineteen sixties, um, wine was a real treat and people didn't have that. It was it was always beer. I always thought. Yeah, but there were some suppliers
2: even then. Um, so I worked for a company which was originally Peter Dominic, which was run by a guy called Dartier, who was a Frenchman. And he ran traditional wine shops, as we call traditional now, with wood flooring and um, mahogany bins and everything like that. So he was probably one of the starters of that kind of um, retailer.
0: And once you have gone through that a bit, um, you went over to New York?
2: I uh, went to London and then I went to New York and then I worked for a store called Sherry Lehman, who were probably the, most, uh, probably the biggest wine retailer in the world at the time, in the middle of Madison uh, Avenue.
0: And we've been lucky enough to get a really good history um, of, of, of the company. Can I just ask you some of your personal tastes? Because you've literally looked at every wine that there is possibly and you go and, you know, you go and source grapes and you're starting to, to, to um, produce your own wine. Um, and I know you want to um, sort of really go for the English, English wine. What's your, what's your real personal taste out of all the things that you've tasted around the world?
2: Well, I'm probably a Bordeaux boy because uh, I lived in Bordeaux for about three or four years. So uh, that's what I'm most familiar with. And I used to live at Chateau Lascogne, which was a second growth um, property in Margaux. So basically, I was weaned on the Cabernet Sauvignon grape.
0: Weaned on it. I really like that. We don't look too bad for somebody that's been weaned on wine. (laughs) But for you, Cabernet Sauvignon, your favourite grape? Uh, Probably. And, and, and for me Cabernet Sauvignon is fruity, um, it's deep. Uh, what other characteristics really make it stand out for you?
2: Well for me it's complex. Right. So it has an initial appeal but it's also got a level of complexity which I like. Mm-hmm.
0: And a and, uh, long aftertaste that, you, that, that stays with you for a while. Yeah, sounds good. It does sound good, you got an e. <laughs> I've
2: got lots of it. <laughs> um,
0: and then, if I could, uh, if I could look at white wine, um, there's been a real resurgence, obviously, of, of um, uh, British sparkling wine uh, against champagne. Uh, what's your thoughts in terms of the quality of that against perhaps some of the some of the champagnes that you find in France? Well, if
2: you're talking sparkling wine, um, this is really where English wines sort of come into their own. Um, and when you compare all of the um, the terroir, you compare the weather, you compare all the different components between Champagne and, say, uh, we say Sussex and Hampshire, etc. They're very similar. There's about one degree, for instance, in temperature variation. Um, the chalk soils and everything are very similar. So, on that basis, um, there's not much difference. Um, the actual wines they produce. Um, this is very arbitrary and quite arguable, so it's hard to determine. And as far as still wines are concerned, that's a whole different kettle of fish, really, and this is an area that's now developing, and that's what we're working on.
0: And um, I do think if the public can find English wines that they really like and they think the quality is good, they're going to be loyal to it, aren't they? They do like to try and, try and buy local if they can.
2: Well, there is obviously an emotional attachment. I mean, if you were to be entirely objective... You could say that you could probably get better value wines from outside of England. Uh, on the other hand, it doesn't have the same association and people will be prepared to um, make those allowances. And the fact is that the wines that we are producing are getting better and better anyhow so that there will be a convergence, I'm sure, over the years.
0: Mm. And, and, and it does mean then that uh, for Roberson in, in the next couple of years we're going to be able to come here for your own English wine.
2: Well, we have already because we produced two years ago, we produced our first Bacchus, um, which was, I think I'm right in saying, was a 2014 vintage, um, which was very successful. And then this year, um, we have we had Bacchus again in 2016, and then in 2017, we produced our first Chardonnay. So, uh, you know, we're going to expand and we're our um but it's basically white wine at the moment. Uh, although we will start with reds, probably Pinot Noir uh, in the coming vintages.
0: Well, that's very exciting. I mean, we're going to look out for that. And um, as ever, if you want to find out more, go on to the Roberson website. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Well, as you know, we've been talking to the lovely Talia and uh, her dad, Cliff, who is a real character, but absolutely steeped in the wine trade. Um, they've gone off because they're obviously terribly busy and very important. And um, I, I'm here with Lindsay, uh, who's worked here for quite a while and really knows her stuff. And Lindsay's really kindly just turned up and pulled us some um, Chardonnay.
3: Mm. Yes, yeah, so this that we're trying now is from our 2015 vintage. It's a Chardonnay known as Charlotte Street, as all our wines have a, a name attributed to a London street and this is from Limoux in southern France and it's a warm well hotter climate so you'll find probably when you tried it just now Sue that it's got slightly can I guess before you say just I just test my my, my knowledge here and before
0: I do that the reason why you're not allowed to call it Chardonnay is is you're not allowed to call it Chardonnay are you no that's correct Um, come on spill the beans because it's just (laughs) rubbish it's so rubbish
3: Obviously, there are... There You're are. not allowed to say that's It's me, Sarah. No, absolutely. You know, I totally understand. Obviously, each country has its own um, protected designations. And because the grapes are grown in um, France and then brought to make the wine in England, we are unable to, to use the term of the varietal of any of the grapes. So which means you can't call it Chardonnay, even though it is
0: Chardonnay. So you've had to make up a name, which is Charlotte Street, just to let people know... It's sort of chardonnay under there.
3: Yeah, that's right. But you know, we've what we've tried to do is to think creatively around this um and obviously we are a london winery so actually having a connection to a london street is kind of fun and each one is it represents the diversity um of london as well we've got charlotte street we've got cabot square we've got pimlico road um albemarle street so we're recognizing creativity financial districts food and drink just by looking at the different regions and areas of london Mm.
0: And, and uh, they're really great labels as well, because that brings all that out. So I've just had a quick um, slurp of this. And um, for me, I've probably got this wrong. So just my tasting notes, Lindsay. <laughs> um, I Nothing's d- ever wrong. No, it's okay. all very individual. Okay. <laughs> so um, there is a nice acidity, I would argue. Um, so, it, um, And it's uh, quite buttery, which I really quite like. Um, a little bit of oak, but definitely not overwhelming. Quite subtle.
3: Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, we well, the winemaker was very careful to um, to use older oak barrels here, so um, and only to get a smaller amount of oaking in, in the wine when you taste it. Also, you mentioned the sort of butteriness, a little bit of vanilla as well. Yeah, absolutely. So this went through a partial malolactic fermentation, which gives you those kind of uh, features that you mention. I could
0: buy that. Uh, Lucy, our producer's here. Lucy, I've noticed your glass is completely finished. Didn't even wait for us to finish ours. Um, What's your thoughts? Because you're a Sauvignon Blanc um, person, and that's the first thing you would order, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. I've really come away from ordering Chardonnay, just because I think it's the name, but we were just speaking, I absolutely love Chablis. So I think I might start switching, now I'm a little bit more educated. Yeah, so a lot of people went off Chardonnay because it got a bad name for itself. But actually, um, and this is very sophisticated. And for me, that's, you know, as good and, and not far off as so Sauvignon Blanc, you know, as you would imagine.
3: Well, actually, this um, was an IWC award winner last year, won a silver medal. And um, we got some great critic comments, one of which was that it was better than much of the Chardonnay coming out of France. <laughs> we were obviously very pleased with that.
0: Um, Well, thank you very much, Lindsay, for letting us taste some wine Um, and I definitely recommend Robeson Wine and we'll give you all the details on the website.
3: Thanks, Lindsay. No problem. Lovely to meet you. Thank you.